Welcome everyone to episode 17 of Above the Fold. Um, you should know we got one more left for season one. Our next show will be episode 18. That's the last one until around mid-January where we pick up season two, aka until Jeff and I uh, sober up from the holidays. Um, in the meantime, feel free to rate and to catch up on iTunes. Uh, Jeff always loves the ratings, good and bad, particularly the bad. And um, it's always it's always fun to uh, to crap on him about that. Um, exciting news! Exciting news! We have a guest, another guest uh, today. As always, you got Jeff who loves data. You have me, Francis, who loves creative work. Um, and together we banter about the marketing industry. And today we get to banter with someone else. And it's going to be like a rodeo, right, Jeff? It's going to be like a crazy rodeo where we just try to hang on for dear life. Jeff, who are we? Uh, who are we talking to today? Today we've got uh, we've got a big cheese on the line. We got Shane <laughs> Shane Barker, uh, who uh, is a digital marketing consultant, but most importantly, doing two podcasts in one day. Shane, please. Yeah, I mean I, I'm real busy, guys. I mean, big cheese. I'm glad we actually started with that because there's a lot of other names that I have, but big cheese is one that I haven't heard in a while. But I, I'll take it all day. <laughs> he is a big shot. Uh, but uh, but in all reality, thank you very much for joining us, Shane. Uh, Shane is a digital marketing consultant at ShaneBarker.com. Um, equally importantly, Shane is a runner, which he likes to let everybody know on your About Us page. Shane, talk to us about that. You've been doing a lot of uh, running there? You know, it's funny and not funny. So, yes, I, I am a runner. Um, but the, And this is this is like all joking aside. So this is like going to turn super dark, like super fast. So that's what I was kind of hoping because I like to like bring Wow, excellent. Wow, that was quick. And at the light at the end, they're going to be like, wow, that was awesome. I actually, <laughs> I actually can't run. My right leg is 100% numb. Like I actually had, I'm not kidding you. I actually had a situation in the emergency room where a nurse gave me a Pulp Fiction style thing in my leg and hit a nerve. Oh, oh my goodness. I went, oh, yeah, hello, oh my hello. Goodness. hello. Yeah, I wish I was kidding. So I, I, it's, it's funny. So this, my right leg is 100% numb. So the running thing, have not tried to run with a lung, with a, with a, I can't even say it, numb leg. Yeah. But, but yes, I will be back here in the next few months and running and stuff like that. But yeah, not running as of now. All I've been doing is, as you guys know, I've been drinking beer, uh, doing marketing stuff and gaining weight. <laughs> That's kind of been my goal in the wintertime. I like <laughs> That's kind of what I've been doing. And I've been justifying it because of the leg. Well, you have to fast for the winter. That's for sure. What? That's explain this. What, what happens? They, they went in there and hit, I'm assuming, some main nerve going all the way down your leg and just, it, it, just I don't shut even know off all communication or what? This is the thing. I, I, I find myself, so I feel like I'm very lucky in life. I'm just going to throw this out here ahead of time. So very lucky in life. Probably five months ago, I had a situation where I was doing some CrossFit stuff tweaked my back, went from tweaking my back to, went to my primary care physician. They said, hey, you need to go and do a chiropractor. Went to my chiropractor, went five or six times. He messed me up a little more. If he's listening to this podcast, this is the first time he's hearing <laughs> it. <I'm> sorry about <laughs> that. But this is his first notification, the reason I haven't been back for three months. Well, that actually tripped my sciatica. So I, this was on a Friday, didn't go to this concert my wife and I were supposed to go to. Shout out to my wife mm. for going to concerts by herself. And then on that Saturday, I actually had on Sunday morning, I had to go to the emergency room. And so it was like all these, these chain of events that have made it so I can't work out anymore. I used to box and do some stuff. Don't do any of that anymore. And then the nurse um, at the hospital, I'm not going to say the, the name of the hospital because potentially my wife works there, potentially, um, <laughs> went in there and actually gave me a shot um, in, my, in both my calves. Um, and they were supposed to do it through the, the butt area. 
which is something I want to talk about too, because I figured we'll just throw that on the list of things to talk about. Shane. That's but important. That's important. Top of the yeah. list. Well, yeah. I think you guys should probably include some pictures with this somehow. I mean, whatever. I've got a few of them online. You guys <laughs> we have show notes. Yeah, we, we we like to include show notes for our, for our listeners so that we can so they can see exactly what it is that we're talking about. Yeah, because you want the visual on them. I think that's <laughs> my mom and dad spent a lot of time making that. So, but the thing is, <laughs> they went in through my leg and uh, and hit a nerve. And so I've been so it's been like five months. My doctor's like, oh, let's just see what happens. Well, it hasn't gotten any better. So, um, and I know this is a lot, and we're going way deep into like down the rabbit's hole. So anyways, it will get better over time, but literally my right side of my leg is 100% numb. Like I can't, I have no feeling in my legs. I can walk. And this is funny, I laugh, but I can walk. But if I went to go run, be like, melt the lump leg. Yeah, like he, his, you know, where his braces come off, my braces wouldn't come off because it's my leg and I would fall. You make a lot of good humor. It's kind of like um, when you sit on your leg and the whole thing goes numb and it feels terrible, except like that all the time. No, that is it 100%. Like, I, I can have my dogs will, like, walk and they like, rub against my leg, and I, I have, like, almost no sensation. And I look down, I'm like, oh, my dog's there. I mean, I obviously see my dogs. It's not like I'm blind and I can't run and my leg's numb. I mean, I'm, the other functions are working uh, for the most part. But the leg thing is just, it's been a trippy deal, man. It's, like, really, really weird. So I get that because people look at my back and they're like, oh, man, when's your next marathon? And I'm like, and I'm, I'm just trying to be able to walk fast at this point. Like I'm not even, I'm not even going for the full sprint yet. So, um, yeah. So there you go. How about that for a way to start off a podcast? Keeping it very hot. sorry to hear yeah. that. That's, that's <laughs> never really fun. Uh, but second question, um, has your dog tried to eat your leg yet? And have you noticed? So I do, I used to put peanut butter on my leg. Um, <laughs> oh no, 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 wait, wait. Oh, we are. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's hey, good. Hey, 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 that's for below the fold. That's, what was, it, what was the question? Um, no, no, no. I specifically trained them to go after other people's legs, uh, but mine have always been off off limits for sure. Always safe. That's that's good to hear. Good job, Jeff. Way to uh, way to ask the question. Turn this dark immediately. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you guys just want to call it a day and then just never look each other in the eyes again and never talk, I, I get it. After we could we could do it. This is how it ends. I always wondered how to, how, how this was going to end, and apparently it ends with uh, peanut butter legs and dogs. Um, <laughs> Seven minutes on uh, Shane's leg. Awesome. All right. So I guess uh, you know on that. Let's just jump in. Let's jump into the topic one and just see uh, see where else we veer. You know. In this so jeff uh we've been talking a lot about influencer marketing um we started talking about this a lot last week and actually throughout the latter part of this season you wanted to talk about um why is it so negative and why is it always on instagram basically yeah so i mean you shane you work in this space you know you know influencer marketing everything that's coming out now seems to be negative like everything We've been talking about it. All these articles on the on the shady side, on the dark side of influencer marketing keeps coming out over and over and over again. I wanted to challenge you to talk to our audience about instances where it works. Where does it work? When does it work? Why does it work? So this is the thing. So influencer marketing is no different than SEO, no different than PPC, no different than content marketing. I mean, if you don't do it correctly, it's not going to work, right? So I think influencer marketing, because it's the, the hot thing, and I think what it does is it starts to bother some people because they look at it and they look at the pictures and they go, oh, it's not authentic, and oh, they're doing this, and like, how many you know women wake up with makeup, and, and they're on this, and they've got their little pink poodle, and they have their pancakes all made with this perfect syrup, <laughs> and the lighting's all perfect. Like, that's just not the real world, right? So I think some people look at that and go, that's awesome that Jennifer does that, and other people go, oh my God, Jennifer, I hate her because she just looks like everything's perfect in her life, right? So... Influencer marketing gets a little bit of a bad name because, once again, people 
there's some people that love it, some people that hate it. I think the reason why there's, there's campaigns that aren't successful are because the analogy I use, and I try not to use this on stage too often, just depends on my audience, but with you guys, I feel like this is comfortable. So with, we have brands and we have influencers, right? So we have brand and influencers that get together. And the analogy that I use, and this is, like I said, a little not PC, but I figured this would work perfect for you guys. It's like two yeah. 15-year-old kids getting together to have a kid, right? The 15-year-olds have the functions to go and have a kid, right? But they probably shouldn't do it, right? If 15 is probably a little mm -hmm. young. You probably should figure a few more things out, live life a little bit, date a little more. Maybe go through college. Not here to judge if you don't. My point is, is like maybe it, it, it can happen, but it shouldn't happen. And so what happens is the analogy, the reason why I use this is because brands and influencers, part of the issue is, is brands really don't know how to put campaigns together. And most influencers are marketers, right? Mm. They have influence over their community. So the idea of this is like, they, they have an idea of what works most of the time. You know, I'm talking talk generalities, but most of the time they understand what content works for them. But the problem is, is you have a brand, you have an influencer, they get together and they, they decide to have a kid when they probably need to learn a little bit more, right? They need to kind of educate themselves a little more. They need to understand how to put this, this, this plan together. So once again, people can, so there can be, you know, talk about KPIs and talk about mm -hmm. your goals, talk about this kind of stuff, because the expectation, the problem is this, there's, the problem is there's people like myself that have had great campaigns and I write about it. And I'm like, Hey, for every $1 we spent, my client made $5 and everybody reads that article and says, well, you know, of course, then I get the emails. Hey, Shane, like, you know, I'd love to give you a dollar if you want to give me $5. And I'm like, well, no, no shenanigans, right? Like, obviously, yeah. everybody wants that. Not all campaigns are that way. But when you see those types of examples, then people assume, though, that's, that's how every campaign must be, right? We're talking about our wins, right? I talk about our losses as well, because you obviously yeah. learn a lot through that process. So not everything is going to be a win. And I think that's where people get confused. They go, influencer marketing is the new best thing. All I have to do is hire an influencer. It's got a million followers, give them $5,000, post two pictures. And then I can, you know, then I just, my t-shirt company will be up and going. I'll make a few million bucks a month. I can go out and buy the island, obviously that, that where they have the pink poodles and stuff and the, the Coronas and all the free <laughs> where all the influencers go on the weekends. And I want to go there. Right. And so that's, that's where we have this. We have like some people that are talking bad about influencer marketing. It's not that influencer marketing doesn't work. It's that the way that they put their campaigns together is not successful. I mean, same thing with SEO. If I don't pick the right keywords and I can say SEO sucks. I mean, it's most of my clients that come to me go, SEO just doesn't work. And I go, well, let me look at your campaign. I go, well, they're not, they don't know what they're doing, right? Influencer marketing, the same thing. They yeah. go, it doesn't work. Yeah. We've already tried it. We've, we hired two influencers and I'm like, oh my God, two influencers on Instagram. There's only a million of them. Like, that's crazy. It's like, the <laughs> idea of it is like, you've got to test stuff, right? Same thing with PPC. Right. It's not, you don't just go after one audience and then crush it, make millions of dollars. I mean, it, it's some testing that needs to happen there. Not every influencer is going to be successful for your campaign and you have to figure out a, what your budget is going to be and what kind of influencers you're going to go after and then what campaigns or, or what platforms you're going to go after, right? There's YouTube, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. There's a lot of different places to do this. But once again, I think they get in, they're like, all I have to do is hire an influencer. that has got crazy numbers. If they got a million followers, it's going to mean a million dollars in my bank. And I just know that's what's going to happen. And that's just not the truth, right? So you're saying there's a, an education element here that's missing, almost like you've got two different sets of people. You've got the influencers, and you've got the marketers and the influencers have a certain skill set. They've got, they wield influence over their audience. And then you've got the marketers who have a different skill set and they don't necessarily overlap. It's almost like it's too new. So when we, we talk about SEO, there were, you know, 20 years ago when this thing first started, uh, people try different techniques and some would work and some wouldn't work. 
And the ones that worked, everyone said, well, okay, let's, let's do this. And then people tried it and it didn't work for them. And they're like, well, what the, what the hell, man? How come it doesn't work for me? It's almost like the market isn't quite new enough is what you're saying for people to really understand and really be able to work with other people that have that skill set that they don't have, right? Yeah, that's the and the problem is too is that influencer marketing got into a deal where brands and we're seeing a lot of this today and it's starting to change a little bit, where brands were paying influencers on their follower count, right? And that's where we get into the fake followers, we get into this whole thing. So what they do is yeah. they assume once again, if you have a million followers, then I have to assume that whatever we do is going to be successful and I'm willing to pay that premium to do that. And let me let me stop you right there. Explain to our audience how somebody would go about getting fake followers. <laughs> Specifically for Jeff. Jeff wants to know exactly how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ask, asking for a friend. Asking. <laughs> asking for a friend that needs fake followers on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, yes, really, yes. you can go anywhere. I mean, you can, if you put, you know, Instagram followers, you know, in Google, I don't know how many of them are real, how many are fake. But I mean, you go to Fiverr, there's a million different places you can do that, you know, where you can add more followers. But the key to this thing is this, is the problem that the mindset is, and it's been with brands for a long time, is like, it's the follower count. So then, you know, I go, Hey, if you have 10,000 followers, I'll give you $500 for a post. If it's 25,000 followers, I'll give you five grand. And if it's a hundred thousand, I'll give you 10 grand. Let's just say it's just numbers. So what happens is an influencer goes, okay, organically, I've gotten to 10 grand or 10,000 followers. Like, how do I get, how do I expedite that? Right. Cause I want to get up to the point where I'm making 10 grand a month instead of the 500 I'm making a month or whatever the number is. So the problem is, is now you're incentivizing people to go and push their following, do stuff that's that they usually wouldn't do because they're not growing organically anymore because now they're pushing the numbers and fudging some stuff. Mm -hmm. And it gets to a point where it, not all influencers are doing this, by the way, mind you, but the ones that are doing it, the problem is, is that they're wanting to get to that next level, but now their engagement levels are going to be down. Now the brand, if the brand knows what they're doing, they should be able to look at it and say, hey, if you have 100,000 followers and you're getting, you know, 50 likes and two comments, like there's a problem there, right? Just from an engagement rate standpoint. So there, there's certain things you need to look at and once again, brands need to quit following the numbers because I would much rather work with somebody that has 10,000 highly engaged followers than 100,000 people that aren't engaged with their audience. I mean, it's like anything else. Like people talk about traffic to your website. Like if you get a million people a month, that's awesome. But if it's the wrong traffic, like I can pull in a million people. I can pull in all these different yeah. types, but wouldn't be a perfect client for me. But that's not the, that's not the goal, isn't mm -hmm. the amount of traffic, right? I mean, the idea is, is I would rather have a hundred thousand of the right potential types of clients or they're looking at certain types of content that can lead into my services or my sales page or lead into something that makes sense for them. It's a better fit there. That, that That's the biggest disconnect is, oh, I've got this many followers or I'm getting this amount of traffic, but is it the right traffic? Is it the right followers? That's that's the that's the disconnect in the industry. Well, is there any way to figure that out? Say, say for example, you've got a brand, uh, Unilever wants to approach somebody to uh, push some new beauty, some new lotion or something, right? And they find this Instagram influencer that has 150,000 followers. Can Is there any tool that they can use to go in and say, all right, 90% of these are legitimate, 10% are illegitimate, or are they just completely shooting blind? No, well, Unilever is an, an example because obviously they've kind of gone after the fake follower thing. Uh, but Unilever is obviously going to have access to software. I mean, there's a lot of softwares out there that you can go and take a look at it that Either A, you can look at somebody's following and if they went from 10,000 to 25,000 in a weekend, then there's certain things that we look at, right? There's certain things that will mm -hmm. put up red flags of like, okay, why did your why did your follower count double, right? Did you, were you featured in TMZ or, you know, what happened there to, to like be able to push you to that, to that level? But immediately that's a red flag. You see that immediate jump as opposed to, you want to see like a gradual climb 
over time, right? Yeah, the idea is it's a gr- organic, right? It should be something where right. you're gaining followers and you start to get that traction. You will start to get that thing where it goes up, let's say hockey stick, or you start to get, you know, some popularity. People are sharing your posts and yeah. you get that leverage. But, you know, in the beginning, it, you know, if you don't leave it as an example, like, I mean, it really comes down to engagement rates, right? So it comes down to how many people are, um, not, not likes, because I can buy likes, but engagement. I, I mean, true engagement, not an emoji, right? So not if, if, if you have somebody and they have, a hundred comments and they're all emojis. An emoji isn't a, 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 a engagement, right? If you walk into my store and I, I hand you a heart or a smiley face or a winky, <laughs> it's not really engagement, right? Like that's just like, okay, I, I would love this. I, I would give you a heart and a winky at the same time. <laughs> I mean, because I, I assume that would be engagement because we would catch eye contact. But anyways, so <laughs> at, at that point, it's like, you have to look at like, I mean, this is the thing. So we use software to figure out engagement rates, to figure out potentially if there's fake followers, that kind of stuff. But you really, what I do is mm-hmm. let's say as an example, I want, let's say 15 influencers for a certain campaign for Unilever or 20 influencers. We'll go and use software. And what software does is dig in and kind of find, let's say a hundred potentials, right? Through certain hashtags, through certain, whatever follower count, whatever we look at there, whatever the variables are for the client. Um, really engagement rate should be the, one of the bigger ones. Then we go, I go and look at the actual, the actual profiles of the influencers. Cause that's where I want to see, cause you can kind of fudge software. What I mean by that is if I wrote a hundred emoji comments from a hundred different people, so they go, Oh, that's engagement, right? Cause there's somebody responding to something. But if I go and look at it and, and there's, you know, there's 50 comments on the comments or emojis and there's something funny going on there, right? If there's people asking mm-hmm. questions like, Hey, where did you get that makeup? Hey, where did you get that lotion? Hey, this is awesome. Like you want to look at that, right? Cause that's going to be an important variable. Do you, in the past, this was a long time ago, five or six years, because we we were doing some a lot of stuff with influencers in regards to like fitness. And so there would be like a a fitness star that's like absolutely beautiful, right? And she's mm-hmm. just bikinis and doing this and doing that. And I was like, oh, she must she's gonna crush with an ebook. The problem is, is later on because we didn't have software. When we looked, she had eighty percent of her followers were males, right? So they're not going mm-hmm. to buy the ebook for the most part, right? They want a calendar right. or something. Right? So it's not just a software thing. There's kind of like a manual go in reality check kind of thing that needs to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the analogy I always use is like, you know, if I was, you know, I've been married happily for 13 years. So I'll just, I'll throw that out there ahead of time. But if I was to put up a singles profile and I was to say, Hey, I'm just looking for blondes. That's all I want is blondes. Like, and not asking about anything else. I can go to a software and find blondes and I can say, okay, here was 10,000 blondes, but you really want to dig deeper, right? I mean, you want to talk about, do I want to have kids? Do I like to travel? Right. So there's, the idea of this and what I'm trying to bring back here is that when you go after influencers, it's not just an influencer that's in a fitness space, right? You need to dig deeper and find mm-hmm. out like, what are the other sponsorships they've done? Um, what other campaigns have they done? Do they have, you know, when they talk about KPIs, do you have any reports of, of things that they've worked with in the past? Have they, how many different sponsorships have they done in the last month? Is it five, 10, is it 15? You know, if they've worked with Adidas and I Nike, then why did they only work with Adidas for one month? Right. Why is that? Is it because so there's just very there's certain things you have to look at. It sounds like if you assume the brands at some point are going to get educated, what really needs to happen is some sort of farm league for the influencers. Okay, you, you said so yourself. They're 15 year old kids running around, you know, exploring themselves, each other, whatever it's got to be. Easy. <laughs> but in order to do this right, there has to be some sort of training area instead of just kind of running as fast as they can to get as many followers as possible. And in a weird way, that has to be this area where they figure out influencer marketing in, in, in general, you know, being able to kind of do it properly. Right now, that doesn't exist. Everyone is just kind of running as fast as they can for followers, for likes. And those are only the only metrics that we have, too. Jeff, you made this point that ideally we need 
we needed we need some sort of rating system that that measures the influence of the influencers, how genuine it is, how real it is, you know, how much influence do they wield? It's the wild west right now. Yeah, we need a Yelp for influencers. And and let me just note that we're talking about we naturally started talking about Instagram. Why are we talking about Instagram? Hmm. I think because Instagram is the place that you you see more of the like lifestyle stuff and you see a lot of the stuff I think that bothers some people and it being not authentic, mm-hmm. right? Because of the things that you see. Um, and, and, and I, I just think that's where they've had the most scrutiny. I mean, you have, you know, I think about Instagram is that it doesn't, there's, there's once a post goes live, the post goes live. And what I mean by that is there's no extra value after that, unless you put some PPC behind mm-hmm. it, unless you do something to it. YouTube, you can go put something up on YouTube and it can be searchable. So there's there's value to that, right? I mean, I think there's a lot more stuff that can happen after that. If it indexes well, I mean, YouTube being the second largest search engine, there's some extra value there that you can sell people like, hey, this is the overall package. But Instagram, when you put something up, that it is what it is, right? I mean, it's like that either yeah. goes or it doesn't go. And so I think, you you know, and Instagram's just real popular just in the sense that obviously I think that's, you just get a lot of eyeballs on there and you get, and there's more and more influencers doing stuff and you know, in it, once again, it, in Francis, you touched on it. And that's something that we're addressing here this next year is the education, right? It's that education of influence, yeah. the education of the brands, because, you know, one of the biggest things that I do with anybody that reaches out to me is I have these qualifying questions, right? And most influencers don't do this, but like, hey, what are you looking for? Like, hey, Shane, we're looking to spend $10,000, but we want to make a million. Well, mm. that's, a, that's not, probably not going to happen. Like, I would love for that to happen because you'd be a great case study for me. But let's talk about reality, right? And so I think... Um, influencers don't want to say what they think is realistic because maybe they don't know. And brands are like, well, we're not really sure. And once again, they go in and they do their thing and it doesn't right. shake out the way they want because there was no brief in place. They didn't really understand what hashtags to use. And they didn't understand that just doing one post isn't going to move the needle. It's a frequency deal, right? And we're getting to the yeah. point back five, six years ago when I was doing influencer marketing, literally you could just grab something and the girl could put up a thing of creatine and be like, oh, this is the reason why my legs are so, you know, buff, whatever. <laughs> right? This is the reason why I'm in. And people are like, oh, my God, I'm going to go buy that creatine. It's not that way anymore. Right now, it's actual real marketing where you have to, you have to do yeah. frequency thing. You have to put some campaigns behind it. Like, what does this mean? And so I think some of the brands are missing that. They assume that if you get one influencer with a huge following, they go do one post that mm. it's just going to crush it and it's going to absolutely, you know, and you're going to make millions of dollars. It's just not that way anymore. It's just more strategy that has to go behind it. You kind of described snake oil coming full circle here at the beginning. <laughs> so I think there's another question too of like, what is an influencer? Who is an influencer and who is not an influencer? And I, I think that and I'm only going to speculate here. And I, I think that this is an issue because there's so much access to it. So, for example, you can tell a good writer from a bad writer, right? You can say this is objectively a Francis or this is objectively a Thoreau, right? No offense, Francis. I love you, buddy. Yeah, no, it's automatically me. You're the bad writer between us, but keep going. Very, very (laughs) shots fired, man. (laughs) Call the cops. Um, What I'm getting at is you don't, the access to become an influencer, I think, the bar is so low. A good example. Okay. I just did a search for influencer marketing today. First headline that comes up, mother defends turning her one-year-old son into an Instagram influencer. <laughs> okay. That's pretty fucking, it's pretty fucking sick, right? <laughs> but what I'm getting at is it seems like the bar to access is so low that anybody thinks, hey, look, this is my easy paycheck. I can get in. I can be an influencer. Just about everybody's 
doing it. And now we're in this muddled area of who the hell is who? Like, who are the people that actually wield some sort of influence versus who are the people that just somehow got a lot of followers and they seem like they might have some influence? I mean, that, and that really comes down to qualifying, right? I mean, the thing is, is the, yeah. the beautiful thing to it and the unfortunate thing is that there's millions of influencers, right? So you're like, God, that's just crazy. There's so many people to pick from. But then if I was a brand, you also have so many different options. So when I interview, when I talk to influencers, I'm, I'm looking for any reason not to work with you, right? Like if you're like, hey, you wanna, we're supposed to do a call at, at 1030 and you don't come on until 1050, that tells me that you're probably not going to be able to do a campaign correctly. What I mean by that is it's like, how serious are you about this, right? I mean, there's, it's no different than, a, than an interview. If I have an interview and I'm interviewing somebody for a position, if they're 20 minutes late, they already have an X on their name, right? I'm looking, if I have 50 people I'm interviewing or 20 or whatever it is, I'm looking for a reason because there's so many influencers out there, which is a good thing. It, there's a pool mm. to pick from. But this is the thing is if you're a brand and you have the right questions to ask, you can find out who's faking the funk or who really is an influencer who's done campaigns. Right. So that's what you have to look at there. How do we even get because we talk a lot about the education of brands, but how do you get the influencers to make that leap of um, understanding what they do versus understanding what marketing is and influencer marketing? Where does their education come in or do they just kind of have to pick it up themselves? No, I mean, their education is going to be coming in, in in about another month in the course that I'm creating that's being created right now. Like all, jo- all joking aside, like literally we're doing a <laughs> The idea of this is that we're doing, you know, we're doing two sides of this thing. We're doing the influencer yeah. side of it where it's going to be an online course literally where they can go in and at least educate themselves on how to do reporting and how to do this and, you know, how to find brands that you can work with, how to compare it against other campaigns, like the education side of it, right? Get them up to speed so when a brand does reach out to you or even better, when you reach out to a brand, you educate the brand on why they have to work with you, right? Because that's the biggest thing here is that brands reach out and go, I'm not really sure like how to do this. And the influencer's like, I don't really know how to do this either, but hey, let's have a kid, right? So there's <laughs> half you need that education. We're doing some stuff in San Francisco, actually March 21st. We're doing um, an actual, um, like a, a training, uh, a workshop for brands where it's a one day workshop. We're all going there and train and we have some different, you know, different companies and platforms and stuff that are involved. But the idea of it is to go in there. I want them to be able to understand how to find influencers and how to find them. You know, and understand why they're good or why they're not good and the certain things to look for. And it's just that education, right? That's, that's the problem is that you expect these two audiences to or brands and influencers to get together and, and to make this magic. But most of them still don't understand what to do. They don't understand the questions to ask. They don't understand how to put those things together. And that's where I think we get these campaigns that, that don't go well, obviously. And then people are going, you know, I mean, it's no different. Like I wanted to, you know, Jeff and you and I wanted to go out and start building a house. Like, it's like, well, we can, it's probably not going to be a good house, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, you, you got a full beard, so I'm sure you probably could build a house. I mean, I have a beard, but that doesn't mean I can build a house. I mean, you probably look something up online or something. But anyways, it, it's, it's, you know, that doesn't mean that it needs to happen that way. It means that there's the education side where people need to better educate themselves on how to put these plans together. And, you know, it'll be helpful for brands to go, when they go pitch influencers to say, for an influencer to say, hey, here goes my media kit. Here goes the campaigns that I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. I've already looked at some of the stuff that you guys have done. Here goes some things I think that we could do together. Like the education, like you got to kind of like get these people excited about what's going on. Because once again, there's a lot of uneducation. There's a lot of people that are uneducated that are jumping in the space and don't know what they're doing. I like that beards correlate with carpentry abilities. I do. I do appreciate that little confidence boost. Give me an example uh, or or maybe like a rough outline of what a a successful influencer campaign would look like. So you'd you ask your questions to start and you look for any red flags to filter out 
somebody that's not um, that's not really qualified. Uh, you've done that portion, and then you say, "Okay, we're going to do this thing." What does success look like after that? Yeah, I mean, success is is really whatever the brand and the influencers come to terms with, right? So, I mean, everybody has a different idea of what a KPI is or what their goals are. So, I think that's the thing is like you talk to a brand and say, "Okay, like, what are your guys' goals with this, and what do you what do you expect to see? What's your expectation of this?" Well, I expect that you know, once again, with this ten thousand dollar budget, that we would like to at least make our ten thousand dollars back and be able to have some user-generated content that we can use for ads and use for some different stuff. And this is kind of what we're thinking. Okay, great, right? So that's some added value because now the content's one thing people don't realize is in your agreements, make sure that you put in there that you own that content, whatever the you, whatever the, the influencer comes out with, because then you can put it on your homepage, you can put it on your flyers, you can like, we have to figure out, be creative about, like how are we gonna use this content that's being created, not just for this one-time post, but to add some kind of PPC behind it, or to be able to use yeah. it in a flyer, or use it for social proof, or use it for something different, or you know, add it on to what people currently think as, you know, hey, if they post one picture, we're gonna make millions of dollars. Right, I think that's part of the problem that a lot of people are having with this, is they're not seeing that, where's my direct line, okay? I'm, I'm investing $10,000 and you've come back to me with impressions. Now, how, how am I going to go to my VP and say, we spent $10,000 for 86 uh, thumbs up emojis, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good amount of emojis. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's very, that's very valuable, Jeff. I mean, <laughs> good amount of emojis. That's I don't true. know why you got to crap on the emojis. <laughs> <laughs> We've been crapping on emojis a lot today. Yeah. I kind of feel like the, the, whoever the higher ups are should just, just let that one go. I mean, that's a lot. Anyways, we'll talk about the emoji. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's what this year and next year I think is the is the big thing. I think for a number of years it's been, hey, we're doing influencer marketing, right? Like, oh, that's awesome. You go to the higher ups, you're like, hey, we're doing it. Like, oh, that's super awesome. We got to write a story about doing, you know, influencer marketing. They're like, yeah, this is awesome. We're high fiving each other. There's no different social media when it started. Like, hey, what are we doing? Doing social media? Yeah, that's sweet. You know, we got to tell everybody we're doing social media. <laughs> and then after a year or two, they're like, so what are we, like, you know, what's the benefits of it? Like, what are we, what are we getting out of it? I'm like, hey, I'm not sure, but we're still, I mean, we're answering every tweet that gets sent to us. We're like, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. High five. And then you get to a point, it's like, okay, so what is this? Are we using it for customer service? Are we being able to get any people that are, you know, like, what are we doing to generate some revenue from it or at least some more interest? It's the same thing with influencer marketing. I think we've gotten to a point where there's levels to this, right? There's people that have been doing influencer marketing for a while and now they're looking at like, um, consumer advocacy and some other stuff that will, you know, kind of push that. Like, hey, how do we, how do we take advantage of the current influencers that we have inside of our network, right? So there's that, and then we have other people that are just jumping into influencer marketing right now and haven't mm -hmm. done anything. Don't have no idea how to do it, where they're still trying to figure it out. So we have like these different kind of levels, right? Not a lot of people are doing the consumer app or the the employee advocacy and all that kind of stuff because it's the next level to this to this whole thing. They're still trying to figure out level one. Um, right. and, you know, I've been, I mean, I've spoken a lot of conferences about this. And it's the U.S. is still, I mean, everybody's still behind. Like, there's just, like I said, when I talk about the education side of this thing, there's just, there's still a lot of stuff that happens. I go to these conferences and even before I speak, I'll go to some of the, the, the speaking, the whatever, the, the breakouts. And I'm, I'm at them and I'm looking, I'm like, man, these guys, they just still have no idea what's going on. Like, I talked to, there was one I spoke at a little while ago. I'm not going to tell you which one it was. But it was, the, the idea of it was that we talked to some of these, these YouTube, you know, influencers. And so I, mm -hmm. I just I had said, hey, so, you know, when you guys do these these things, like, what kind of reports do you guys put together? Like, what, you know, what do you guys just keep the eyes? And they're like, reports? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's like the thing that comes after the campaign where you show them results and they're like, oh, geez, we've never even, like, how do you, can we Google that? <laughs> That's Francis. That's Francis, by the way. The point, the point yeah. being is like, I know, I'll Google it right now, like, reports. Um, 
<laughs> he is. He's Googling that. There. Let me know what you find, because I've been I keep saying reports and I'm like, what is a report? I gotta look something up. I just I'm saying it a lot. What do these numbers mean? Why are they all bunched together, Jeff? Why is there a graph here? I'm so confused. What is this thing? Yeah. So that's, but it was kind of crazy to me. And I didn't push it further because obviously I was speaking the next day and then they would have probably come and flamed me and asked me some questions. But it was was just the feel of like, they just didn't understand that they should do any reporting. And the brand, even on the other side, the brand didn't want to ask for any reporting. Like, like, what would we ask for? And I'm like, what do you usually, what do you look for? Like, what are your capabilities? (laughs) What is an indicator that well with that campaign? Yeah. Jeff, I feel like this is, I mean, this is the core of, of what, bothers the crap out of you with influencer marketing in the sense that you have two sides both wanting to do you know good in terms of like getting more likes or whatever and yet no one understands the power behind it no one even understands the right questions to ask and you get a lot of these you know oh we have 100 million whatever and yet no one is really getting what that means i mean you've 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 ranted and raved about influencer marketing a lot and i think i feel like this is this is your ground zero right now this is why your rage was born. Well, you know, it kind of reminds me of the early days of social media marketing for businesses. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was very much a, I need to do this kind of things and, <laughs> and ask questions later. And it, it, it took, yeah, it took a couple to your point, Shane, it took a couple years for the education for people to say, okay, wait a minute. I want to see where my dollar going in is going to come back. And then so it's a, it's an investment. Therefore, I want to see how my investment is doing. So it doesn't seem, it seems like it's maybe maturing a little bit faster than social media marketing uh, did because that took five years before people just started saying, okay, we're going to stop just dumping money into into the bucket of social media marketing and just hoping for the best. And now actually started asking some questions. And it seems like people are asking the right questions already. And that's that's what all the fire is about. That's why there's so much heat right now. It's like, what is this? Can we let's let's take a let's step back. Let's ask a question. Um, you know, do we really want to give this uh, mother turning your one year old son into an Instagram influencer one hundred thousand dollars uh, to sell pacifiers or whatever the hell they're going to sell? You know, is that so maybe really we're what learning. she's selling? I have no idea what she's selling. <laughs> she's just right. defending herself at this point. She's defending the right. To do this with her son is what it is. I think every mom should pimp out their son, but I'm, I'm on the other side of the coin. Anyways, I, That's how I ended up how I am. Yeah, not a good idea. Look at this. There's a lot of gold pacifier, for God's sakes. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> the first point is that I didn't know that this interview was going to involve Jeff already hating influencer marketing. So I didn't know that. I kind of feel like I got, you know, I kind of like, so I, I hopefully, I mean, at the end of this thing that, that at least, you know, he can at least send me a message and be like, Hey, thanks for being on the podcast. We're going to at least go live with it. But, um, <laughs> you know, all joking aside, I mean, it, it influencer marketing, it just, it, it is that, it is that thing of where I think it is having to mature pretty quickly. And it comes down to, once again, it's not just one post, right? It's not just putting something, you got to put a strategy behind anything that you do, right? With SEO, it's the same thing. You got to be able to do the content. Yeah. You got to be able to do your H1 and H2s. You got to be able to have certain keywords. You got to look at the keyword difficulty of this, this, and this. When we first started SEO, it was like, I just put up an article and it had this in the title and it, it did with bananas. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, we didn't know what was happening, right? And then you get to a point where now SEO, you're like, hey, this is what you need to do. You need your keyword density of this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And you need to get more backlinks. And this is how you get backlinks. So, oh, it's an education yeah. thing that it's not just putting up one article and going, 
I'm going to crush it. Just put up my article. Super excited. (laughs) Rain gold down on me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing with influencer marketing. Like it's not just putting up one post. There's the education of like, how do we get more exposure? Right. How do we, you know, what do we do after that post has gone live? Like what do we do to use that content to repurpose it, to be able to use it again? That's what we're looking at here. It's the education of that. Like, don't go do influencer marketing. Like people go, well, how do I learn about influencer marketing? I write about it almost daily. Like there's so many things you can learn. Now don't believe that every dollar you spend, you're going to make $6 and 50 cents. Cause that was an article I put out. That was true. It's not always true. Right? <laughs> like anything else. I mean, I can have SEO clients that I go, man, we absolutely crushed it from that doesn't mean for every SEO client that I'm going to crush it like that. I mean, it does. So reach out to me. because like, well, yeah. <laughs> It does, but it does for real. I can, I can do that for all the naive people, but for all the people that don't understand what I'm saying, that have a lot of money, please reach out. Cause I, I am here to help. <laughs> I'm a, I want to help you and your children. <laughs> to, to your point, there are no, there are no automatic investment wins. Otherwise everybody would be doing it. You know, if there's, if there was something that was guaranteeing you 650% return every time you did it, everybody would do it. It, it just doesn't work that way. So the, the expectation, I guess, does need to, to be tempered. But back to the point of, of influencer marketing, I do, it's only the, the cases that I'm talking about where the inf, when the influencer really isn't an influencer um, and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to game the system. That's the only problem that I have. And so it's not influencer marketing that I have an issue with. It's people that are trying to game the system. And we've talked about this before with Francis, like the idea of influencer marketing, it's not new. This has been around since I use the example of, uh, you know, John Wayne is a Marlboro man, you know, um, it's the same concept. You take somebody with some sort of influence or some, a huge amount of reach who is at the peak of their game, the pinnacle of their game, no matter what it is, if it's acting, sports, whatever, um, they're going to be influencing their, their subset of fans and their, their audience, uh, in a way that's going to get them to, to buy product. And I think it's, I love that. And I think this is just a modern day version of that. And the only thing that drives me crazy are the people that are abusing that and saying, Hey, this is my quick payday. This is, this is my easy in. And, um, I, I don't like the idea of those people that really aren't influencers, cheating people out of money. And, and those are the articles that keep popping up. And, and that's why I go to such a dark place in my brain. With this. No, no, no. And I get that. This is a thing yeah. though. I mean, think of it. The, and I've been using SEO as an example. It's the same thing as SEO. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I got an email that I can get you on the first page for a hundred dollars, it's an education. Oh, God. It comes down yeah. to, I look at that you know, and it's like, it comes down to the fact of like influencer marketing. There's plenty of people that are going to try to game the system. The key to that whole thing is, as long as you're not using your hard-earned money, those people are going to filter themselves out because their campaigns, that's why you ask these questions, right? Of like so many campaigns, yeah. so many successes that you have, those qualifying questions that instantly you can tell if somebody goes, I've never sent a report, what's a KPI? Um, I, you know, I charged $5,000 just one time, you know, the campaign went well. well what, why did it go well? Just because it did, don't worry about all that. Just know that it went well and send me money. Like, so, you know, there's some things that you can do to instantly know or at least have a, an 80% idea of why, uh, whether it's going to, whether they're going to be able to influence somebody or some or, or not, right? And same thing in SEO. It's like you go to somebody and if you start, you get, I always tell people like, before you go and you start engaging people, read up on some stuff. Just educate your little, yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. If you feel like people, the biggest question I get, one, one of them is like, how much do I pay an influencer? Like, how do I, how much do I give them? Mm. Every influencer is different. There's not like a chart. I mean, there are charts you can look at. Seems to range across the board, right? Like you can go from a couple thousand to hundred thousand. 
Exactly. It can be huge. But the thing is, is you have to understand of like, okay, so but what is that going to entail? What have you done in the past that you've seen successes where you've had the same equation where you've done three Instagram posts, two stories yeah. and five videos, right? Like, and what do you think, what do you think, what do you think, you know, the potential could have of this? Like, what are we looking at results and stuff like that? Like go over that and have those questions because then if you go, Hey, this is what we've done in the past and this hundred thousand dollars. And that's where we want to spend our money because you're asking those right questions. Like you would never go to a company and just go spend a hundred thousand dollars unless you really had the right questions or ask them certain things and showed results. I mean, can you imagine if I close a deal and, and then didn't ask me any qualifying questions to find out if I've done this before, if I've had any successes or not. So that's the problem. Most brands are, you know, go and they say they have a high follower count. This is going to be a good campaign. I feel it. Yeah. In my heart. And that's the problem is that when you're going after these people and, but of course these people are going to take your money. You send them an email and says, Hey, I'm willing to get $5,000 for two posts. Of course, most influencers are going to go, sounds like a plan, bud. What are we doing? Right? Like, when can we start? Like, go ahead and send me a little deposit and I'll go produce some content and we can go off yeah. the island that we're going to retire to. <laughs> so that, that's the problem is like, it, it comes down to qualifying the, the influencers or finding the right influencers. Yeah. I interview all my influencers. I interview mm -hmm. them because I want to know where their head's at, right? Like, not only, hey, what campaigns have you done and stuff like that. If I'm talking to them about ABC company that's not an Adidas or Nike or somebody that's well-known, I say, so I'll start, you know, notifying an interview, right? I say, so what do you know about ABC company? Well, we haven't, we haven't really done a lot of research into you guys, but I, I do know you guys are often $5,000 a post, right? <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you, uh, you compare this to, to SEO because it is very, very, you could see the evolution is very, very similar. And you talked about those, those emails, those cold email outreaches that you get where they say, Hey, we're going to get you on page one guaranteed, right? Been seeing those things for years. However, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people were a little bit more apt to say, well, what do they know that I don't know? Because they weren't quite educated enough. We're not, they're not at the place where we are now where we just say bullshit. That's, that's a lot. We know that's not true. <laughs> so, so what you're explaining is a, is a scenario here with influencer marketing where people start to figure out and start to work with people who know what those red flags look like. Um, well, to plug you there, you know what those red flags look like. Uh, so when you're influenced, when you're working with an influencer, you could say, oh, wait a minute, I saw X, Y, and Z happen. Um, this is probably not a legit thing to get into. Let's, let's move on. It's just, I call it my spider sense, right? So I literally, like, if I'm talking to an influencer and I'm like, yeah. uh, something doesn't feel right. That's the cool part about it. You know, back in the day, if you were doing, you know, in the 70s or something, and you only had 10 influencers because they were all on TV, like, you, you got to kind of pick one, I'm assuming, right? This, there's, there can be thousands of them. And so you, you know, because one of the biggest things about influencer marketing is finding the influencer that really is going to move the needle for you. And there's a lot of different factors to that. It's not just putting out great content. It's, you know, following up when they're supposed to do things and, you know, answering your calls. And there's, there's this, who looks at it as a, it should be a job. I'm assuming they're doing it full time, but they should be passionate about it. Like I want somebody that says, Hey, I have looked into your company. I know what mm -hmm. you guys do. I love your guys' cause. I see you guys donate for every dollar. You guys donate 25 cents to XYZ foundation. Like that, that resonates with me because I'm a yoga instructor and you guys have this patented yoga product or whatever that is like, right. You know, you, you have to, cause it, the thing is you're, you're literally going into some kind of relationship with these people. So don't, don't make assumptions. Yeah. You want to ask those questions. And especially if you're, you know, they're going to be charging you a good amount of money. That's money out of your pocket. And, you know, and don't put all of your budget into influencer marketing. It's not the end all be all. It's not the magic switch. It's not the wand. It's not going to save your company. Um, it is something you be, it's a tool that you use inside your tool set of all your different marketing stuff. But 
If you think it's going to save your company, anything that you think is going to save your company probably won't. Yeah, you got you got other problems going on. You at that point save that money, go on a yeah. family, your family, or or go to a casino, go have some <laughs> drinks, like go, you know, like, the ride that thing on out until the wheels fall. Yeah, off. put it all on red. Um, something that Francis and I joke about, I guess, especially from an SEO content standpoint, or we, most of our focus, uh, we're pretty damn reliant on Google and Google not changing the rules of the game on us. I mean, we kind of put all of our eggs in one basket. Um, and if they decide to, you know, throw that basket in the fire, then I need to find a new job. And Francis is going to be throwing me change on the street, which he thinks is hilarious. It will be hilarious because I'll be aiming for your head. <laughs> Dark. Your guys' counseling um, is not working. I'm, I'm not a counselor by trait, but I just tell you, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there are um, deep-seated issues between both of us. We find common, common ground in Top Gun every time. You will always be my Iceman. <laughs> You're dangerous, Baker. <laughs> so what happens if theoretically Facebook changed the rules of the game uh, on uh, uh, business advertising for, for businesses, basically, um, to use that as, as a channel the last couple of years. It's been, it's been pretty tough for businesses. What if Instagram goes and changes the rules of the game uh, for influencers? Something happens where Instagram says, hey, we want to make this less of a sales platform and more of like a personal picture platform again. What happens at that point? If that happens. Yeah, this is the thing. So, I mean, they're, they are changing the game, right? I mean, Instagram is changing their algorithm. We'll see. I mean, no different than SEO, right? Google is changing them. Yeah. People, oh my God, in the fitness industry or in the health or the pharmaceuticals, and we've all fallen off and we've lost this. Oh, they got nailed. They got absolutely destroyed. Just This was just mm. three months ago. People yeah. probably lost jobs over this. Yeah, no, they absolutely did. And, and just a side note, uh, none of my clients lost any rankings. But anyways, <laughs> um, but, but than- let the court record state. Shane Barker did not get hit by the EAT algorithm. Well, everybody else went down and my, my clients went up. Anyways, the Shane Barker, uh, come say hi. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the influencer side of things, I mean, this is a, a situation, let's say you talk about Instagram as an example. The problem with, yeah. with Instagram, like any platform that you rely on, you don't own that platform, right? You don't, right? So they can change the game. They have changed the algorithm. They've made it so, you know, if you're not getting X amount of people in X amount of time, and then you're not going to get as much exposure. And so that is that is a variable that people have to look at, right? When it comes down to engagement and stuff like that. Now, Facebook and Instagram are saying, hey, if you're an influencer, you have to do it through our ad platform. And they are trying to change some of that, right? They're saying that we're, it has to be sponsored and you have to put all your hashtags and all that fun stuff in. That's not 100% working because people are still doing it outside of their ad platform. I mean, everything that I've ever done, um, hmm. you know, this isn't illegal or, be, or this isn't being recorded. We've never, we've, I've never, I don't really use the Instagram ad platform, right? We've done everything outside of that for, for a number hmm. of years. Um, and not say that we would never use the platform. It's, I don't think it's where it needs to be, my own personal opinion um, in regards hmm. to that. Um, I think Facebook advertising is awesome. Instagram has been like, it's, it's just, it's been secondary from what we've seen from our side. I'm not saying don't try it, but it's just, it's, it's, we, we don't have a lot of our clients on there. But the, the thing yeah. is, is that you can't, I mean, what you brought up, I think is a bigger point of like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like I, if I have influencers that I work with and they're like, well, I only do Instagram. I'm like, do you own Instagram? Like literally Instagram tomorrow. And I've had clients <laughs> where they could take down your profile for whatever reason, whatever reason, yeah you post something about being Christian or because you're in a G string or because it's Tuesday. I don't know what they have on Tuesday, but <laughs> my point is like, it doesn't, it, there's, there doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason. They don't have to come to you and explain why they did this. 
right? And so that's something people have to be careful of because if I have all my eggs in this one basket and that basket, something happens, then that's a bad deal. I mean, you should be looking at, once again, doing an Instagram or, you know, Instagram on top of a YouTube and have your everything going back to your your page, you know, so that you have your sales stuff on your on your website so that you're in control of that. Um, right. And so there's, there's a lot of different ways. SEO is one thing, but I mean, there's a lot of ways to drive traffic from these different platforms, but these platforms should all go back to your core offering on your website that you own. Right. Yeah. You should own that. Don't, you know, should have your own domain and all that fun stuff, but you, you don't, if you have all your eggs in one basket, whether that be just YouTube or Instagram or something like that, that's scary because we're not in control of any of that. That's not an owned asset. You know, I mean, they say it's owned, but it's not because at any point they can flip the switch and do whatever they want to you. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's happened to clients that I know they were only in one area. I'm like, listen, you got to diversify. You got to do some different stuff. No, no, we're good. And then when they get, you know, no different than SEO back, you know, when they do their new algorithm and all of a sudden it goes down and people lose jobs and, you know, all the casino people, all the gaming people online are like, oh, I can't make millions a month anymore. It's like, I know it's going to be <laughs> difficult, but you just got to figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've seen that with plenty of clients too. Uh, on a note of diversifying your, um, your inbound. I've seen some come in and say, Hey, we're just strictly PPC. It's like, well, well, wait a minute. You know, you can't, you can't, that's way too risky. It's ignoring so many different channels. That's ignoring the potential of social email marketing, organic search, um, influencer marketing, all of that stuff. All of these really should work cohesively to put together like an entire strategy. Um, and that way, if one of them gets cut off, that's one eighth of your entire strategy. Okay. So you've got, you lost 16% of your traffic rather than a hundred percent and you have to gut your company. That's that. I mean, it's no different like stocks and all that. I mean, the idea is to diversify, yeah. right? You want to put all yours in one thing and just pray that goes okay. And the idea is that you want to mitigate that risk, right? You want to put it out over multiple channels. So once again, you lose one of your platforms, something happens, you get less traffic, they change the algorithm. It's just something you look at and go, okay, that used to produce this. It doesn't produce that anymore. So now we need to put more money into something different or do something. But you don't want to be caught with your pants down. You know, I mean, that's just never, well, a lot of different things I was going to say. Um, but let's see in this <laughs> example, what I'm saying in regards to marketing, you want to make sure you have your, your, your pants up, I guess, is really what I was going to say. <laughs> I like how Jeff's like, well, there's sometimes I want to get caught with my pants down. I don't want to, I don't want to go through it all, but <laughs> we've all been to the massage parlor. <laughs> Not while Shane is working with his clients. Completely <laughs> theoretical, off company time. Totally. <laughs> it's never happened before. Never. All right. Sounds like a natural place to move on to the uh, to the other topic. Um, which is, I don't know, somewhat related, maybe somewhat not. Um, Jeff, you kind of talked about just in general, smarter marketing. Basically, this this tied in a little bit about voice. You gave me an article about um, HBO considering how to market some context here uh, beyond um, what they've been doing originally. Last year, they focused a lot on VR, even AR. And um, that was the year, uh, the Christmas season, where Amazon discounted almost uh, all of the Alexa products and everyone was doing voice. Um, sounds like this year, HBO is trying to catch up and um, doing more voice enhanced you know, games or apps, whatever it might be. In general, though, you're talking more about... Um, how this could be smarter marketing or maybe more targeted marketing. Um, where, uh, where did this article come from in your mind? Where did, uh, why, why did it strike you? Well, it's a couple different articles on either end of the spectrum that I thought was kind of funny. Um, there's been some funny rumblings about Amazon's marketing recently that I've been uh, uncovering the news. So one of them was a, a funny meme about this woman that had uh, gone on Amazon to buy a toilet seat. Very 
logical thing to do if you got Amazon Prime. Sure. Your toilet seat has an unfortunate break breakage, and you're uh, you know you got problems. You get Amazon Prime and get delivered same day or the next day. That's great. However, where it went wrong is Amazon marketing is uh, probably leaves a little bit to be desired in terms of intelligence. Issues being marketed to every day afterwards for toilet seats, as if she were some sort of addict that just was collecting <laughs> toilet seats in her in, in her attic. Like, uh, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've been so good this week. I, I haven't bought one. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna splurge this week. I'm gonna buy like seven of them. Um, and this article actually, uh, another article came out on BuzzFeed where you've got this. Uh, I've got a picture of a toilet bowl scrubber that. Uh, adds the option of a two-year protection plan for $1.23 for a $6.99 uh, toilet bowl scrubber. And, th- and then you've got a uh, another one here of a bathtub hair catcher strainer and snare, which is $2.27 for two. Great deal. Gives you the option of a $1,000 two-day shipping or $2 <laughs> standard shipping. <laughs> it's like, That's what uh, it says, $1,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you the article. There's just really, really good examples of horrible uh, Amazon uh, marketing, or, or rather, I guess you would call it marketing intelligence uh, for a company that's that's so well known for, for marketing intelligence and tracking every single one of your behaviors. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> really entertaining examples of, of total misses here. All it takes is that one person, maybe... Helen, that's like maybe she's on the whiskey or something like, or maybe she's on a little, <laughs> it was an eggnog, little eggnog, little brandy. She's kind of looped up, and she yeah. needs a little. She's like, hey, I'm gonna put this, and he goes, yeah, I want next day shipping, and price isn't an option for her because she's rich and she's always on the whiskey. So she clicks on it, and she gets it right away. I mean, it really comes down to supply and demand. I mean, I don't mean to be like adamantly against what you said because I, I think once again, it's a numbers game. It was kind of like dating, you know, Jeff. Like when you ask a thousand girls to to go out with okay. you and then you finally get one. Is that not? No, that's no, 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 no. no. That's, that's about right. They, You're they, actually being they generous. They all say no. That's they all say no. Very, very generous. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, no, that's a good point. I mean, you've got, uh, it is the holiday season. You get somebody that's, uh, might be a little bit, uh, two or three glasses of red wine, a couple of Zans. It's 11 o'clock. You want to play <laughs> self Santa Claus. You're like, you know, I'm going to treat myself to a, uh, a hair strainer and snare and I want it tomorrow. You know, all it takes is that one person and, uh, and boom, you paid for your margins a thousand times over. Man, I want to come to your Christmas party. Is that kind of what it is? Little <laughs> Annie, little red wine. <laughs> little, little bit. Yeah. We all hop on our laptops and, uh, just, just pick whatever comes up on Amazon. Digressing wildly on the other side of the spectrum that we've got this, uh, these examples of, of really poor, unintelligent marketing. And then we've got, um, a, a whole new area of marketing that's going to be for smart speakers. Francis, you mentioned that uh, they were Amazon Echo. And I think you've got, uh, is that Alexa that's on Amazon? Yeah. Amazon yeah. Yeah. It's Alexa. They were selling those things at cut rate prices, right? I mean, what did you get yours for? Maybe like 30 bucks, 40 bucks? You can get like the, well, you could have gotten the small one for like 20 or 25 recently. Um, and they, 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 sl- I don't yeah. think they make a profit off of them at all. I think they make profit off of other things because they're just trying to get it in as many houses as possible. Well, that was strategic, right? They want to get it. Probably made no one. the money. It's, it's no different than like, you know, cell phones. Like, you, you know, you pay X amount for the cell phone. Well, now it's like a thousand bucks too much. But I mean, you can get a free cell phone. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's a free cell phone, but it's that monthly thing. They're, they want to get in your home, right? And once they're in your home, yeah. then you can ask questions. I mean, there's how much value is that 
for me to go ask, how do I buy this or how do I do this? And Alexa right. sends me to, I mean, that's a catalyst, right? That's just saying, hey, listen, oh, like yeah. if you, any, any decision you want to make, if you do it through Alexa or through something like that, that's, I mean, it's, you know, especially now they've got the thing where you can, you know, Amazon wants to come inside your house, actually, right? They're literally going to have people come in and drop off the package. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the drone or the type, there's a lockbox or something like oh, that. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't leave hear it. about this. No, they yeah. don't want to come. But now they actually are coming in your home. No, literally, they have a thing where they can click. That's why they bought Ring. So they bought Ring so they can. Oh, go that's right. What the deal that's is, right. is they're going to go in and drop the packages off inside your house because, you know, I mean, in my neighborhood, so we have next door. I don't know if you guys, sure you guys have that. Where it's like the neighbors like, oh, this guy dropped, you know, FedEx dropped off a package, and then a minute later it's gone. Well, people walk going around in their vans behind FedEx just picking up packages. Picture this scenario: Shane sets this delivery up, forgets that he set up this delivery, applying his peanut butter, and boom, Amazon guy walks in the door. What does that look like? <laughs> well. I mean, maybe give me my the jelly to my peanut butter. I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we got here. Uniform on? Is he like the full FedEx guy? He's like, did somebody order a pizza? And I'm like, oh, snap, I got the peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, so, Francis, you, you invited the vampire in your house. It is now in the house. You gave it permission, and it's now listening to you. Uh, You're talking about Alexa again, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Marketers are trying to figure out how do I make money off of this? And this article that I read, New York Times article, um, is talking about just that. How do we go about making money off of this information that we're gathering from people? Right now, it seems that most people are using Alexa for like really simple task-based things. What's the weather? Um, buy me some dog food, stuff like that. So naturally, marketers are trying to figure out how do I be the company that says, you know, when somebody asks Alexa to buy dog food, I want to be the first result that pops up. So they're, they're trying to figure out that. Um, they're trying to figure out how to be uh, helpful, how to how to do these, uh, what they call them, uh, skills, I guess, that are just like, yeah. you can download them into your uh, Alexa. And one of them is HBO. And that was like a, a major point. HBO and Disney and Unilever are all trying, <clears throat> trying to not directly sell things, but they're trying to like increase their... Uh, their brand with these people, their brand affinity by, uh, by helping them and by, uh, engaging them with, with different skills. And one of them with HBO was Westworld. It was like you engage with your, you have a conversation with your speaker and it'll take you through this different choose your own scenario thing. And at the very end, it ends with like them playing an episode of Westworld. Disney has created some games. Unilever has created some, some tips, like how do I get, you know, red wine out of my sofa at 2 a.m. when I'm on Xanax, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Normal feels like it's like what Jeff yeah. asks on every Saturday night. Chris, Christmas at the Baker family. Exactly. Uh, so <laughs> it seems that they are just beginning to scratch the surface on something that's going to be a real, I feel like this is going to be a big game changer. I think this is going to be, uh, so, there's going to be so much information. You've let them in your house. Right. And now you're actually letting humans in your house. Um, where does it where does it go from here? And I don't know, maybe for, for either one of you guys, what do you want Alexa to know? And what do you want them to not know? I mean, it's the, this is the thing. So the Alexa thing is just now that they're in the door they're It's starting off with basic questions, like you said, like, hey, Alexa, play, you know, Britney Spears song or do this, do that. Right. You're getting more comfortable with with doing that, right? Because they're trying to figure out, like, how can we get in your home? Well, what we can do is say it was $150. Now it's 
28 cents, right? You got to hurry up and buy one, so it'll be fine. <laughs> now we got to make them feel comfortable. So they're going to, you know, start off really basic stuff like, hey, Alexa, you know, what's the weather like in Sacramento? Oh, it's, you know, 62 degrees. Oh, that was easy enough, right? So now we're getting to a point where it becomes more comfortable where we're talking to this third party in our in our house. The, the thing is, is you've got the big threes and obviously the other ones, you got Apple and Google and, and Amazon that want to be inside your house, right? And, and so they have this where everything's all tied in, where your lights will be tied into it, your alarm system, where it's all going to be there. So you, once again, so you can, you know, once again, you can facilitate anything that needs to be done. And because that's the whole goal of this, right? That's what Google did back in the day was they offered all their stuff for free. Google apps and Google, all this stuff for free because the idea is they wanted you to bring it on. It's all free. And it's now you, it's all done through, through Gmail, right? So it's this thing where they're trying to, it's the more people they can get on those types of things and, and you know, get you more comfortable with using it. And, you know, that's yeah. why Unilevers and all these companies are a little nervous because they're in is through Amazon or through whoever they have their partnership with, right? So Amazon is a big player in this in the sense that they, they control the data, right? And if you control the data, I guess that means that means that's marketing dollars. And so how they come in through that Alexa, through those machines is what I think is going to be really interesting because Amazon's only going to let what Amazon wants going through there, right? And you're going to have to pay some mm -hmm. big bucks if you want to get in front of 50 million people that are looking to get you know, more Xanax or more red wine or whatever, get the, this out of their, their sofa or whatever that may be, right? So um, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's really that next level of things is now you, and I think you touched on it, like now the next level is what do you, what, what can they hear, right? I think there's been some issues with Alexa, people saying, oh, Alexa said this and I didn't even say it to Alexa or I didn't ask Alexa. Like, so now we have these, these literally. Oh, I hadn't heard of that. House. Yeah, there was something, there was something weird. Don't totally quote me on that, but I remember there was something weird that I thought, oh, that was kind of odd. Where, you know, because you have a speaker inside your house. Yeah, you've got a recording. You've got a bug in your house. Knowingly. It's basically that. Like this. I've experienced it when my wife and I are talking and we're not even like you have to say Alexa for the machine to turn on. So the, allegedly before she can even listen to you or whatever, you have to say Alexa. But we've been talking and we'll talk about the kids and say like, oh, there's this game that Bailey wants or whatever. And then suddenly the blue ring comes on. And clearly Alexa was listening. She doesn't say anything. And then it turns off. My wife and I always look at each other. What, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this happened a couple of times. And I know, I know it's because we mentioned some sort of product or even a general term for a product, board game or video game or doll or something. Um, We're going to find out like... it was collecting data. We're going to find <laughs> out, man. We're going to find out something shady. I, I will say I haven't seen anything on my own Amazon account of like anything that's like echoed back the conversation. I think that well, would be wouldn't. the next like cross. I would hope not, but like I, th I, that's the fear that like if I say something in my home and something is showing up in my account, it's like, well, that's weird, man. Well, it will. Don't, don't get it twisted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get cell phones, right? We got these cell phones that people are like, Oh, there's no way that they're following you. Come on, man. I mean, it comes out every once in a while up in arms. This is crazy. I mean, I was just, I just Googled this as you guys were talking, uh, Google reports, because I really, that was the word I used earlier and I wanted to look into that. No, I'm just kidding. Shane Barker uses reports with his clients, everybody. <laughs> same report. I'm like, great success. Again. Charts, charts and graphs up and to the left. Yeah, every exactly. Everything. We're always going this way. Everybody always <laughs> Us, always looking at the Amazon thing. It just said Alexa recorded private conversation and sent it to random contact. So now this is when these little glitches happen. I mean, there's a reason for that. It's not this one machine went rogue and you know had its you know it, this isn't Will Smith and you know all of a sudden it's going to take over the world. But it, they're listening, right? I mean, I, I can't imagine them not listening. It's it's 
that's that's intel and so it's information that's you're giving up personal information for that so you know it's a little freaky I mean it is a little freaky because it's you're gonna start seeing more and more stuff happen like this but there gets a point where people they're gonna be up in arms and they're not gonna care because they're gonna it's gonna yeah. be the convenience right because it's convenient that I can go do this and that I can convenient that I can do that you know, cell phones being an example. I mean, yeah, they're following me. Okay. I mean, the first one came up, they're like, oh my God, how do I stop this? And then two days later, they're like, oh, look, Trump did this. And they're like, you know, everybody just goes on to the next shiny penny and they don't really think about <laughs> really the implications of that. And it could be yeah. great. It could be awesome that you get, you know, you get this remarketing of stuff because of something that you talked about. Or it can be like super freaky because they're recording everything that you're talking about. I, you know, I don't know. Same concept as Facebook. Everyone at first is like, Oh wow, this is this is so convenient. I can log in with Facebook to everything. I can create accounts all over the place, and uh, you know it's it's super convenient. And then all of a sudden, you know, hey, Facebook's using all your data and selling it. It's like, what the hell do you think that they were doing with all that? <laughs> why? Like, what? How was that? Why possible? are you surprised? You gave them all that. <laughs> why are you surprised? It's kind of on you at that point, right? Look, it's an ad platform. Like that's literally they. That's how do you think you're able to drill down so? Well, when that came out, of course, everybody was up in arms. But I was like, that's like Captain. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I stood up so and was sad. like, showing in for duty, sir. And I'm like, obviously, you're here. This is great. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not crazy. Like, I don't know. Uh, going back to feeling comfortable with the news. I mean, I, I agree. If you tell people now, oh, Alexa's listening to you and, and she's getting all this data. But I think the problem is that once people once people see a benefit to it or did once it makes something Alexa? easier. I did. Yeah, I, just, I realized that. I've done that uh, two or three times already. She already has a gender. But what I'm saying is that I, once you are able to have conversations with Alexa and you're able to kind of figure out or she helps you shop or whatever, that's where people stop caring. And they're going to start saying stuff like, well, this is making it so much easier. I could just talk about how much I need my toilet bowl, uh, bowl cleaner and it's going to show up regardless of, you know, you know, maybe by a drone or some dude shows up in the house. Um, at some point, that weird or creepiness, I think, fades because suddenly basic life crap becomes easier and we don't care anymore. It's always happened with the cell phone and with, with every other new technology. It's the same deal. I'm, I'm going to read you guys this. This, I, this is what I did. I just Google <laughs> Alexa recording issues. And so one of the things people who ask, right, so we get the little things you can click on the questions, is Amazon Alexa always listening? Amazon's voice-controlled Alexa products are considered, in quotes, always on devices. That doesn't uh, say even they're recording conversations. The Amazon Echo, one of the online real shows, giant speaker product lines, uses seven microphones to listen for the wake word. Mm. Seven microphones to listen for your wake word. So what is it? So it's not on and listening to you, but how does it just get triggered when the wake word happens? Mm. Like it's, it has to be on to hear the wake word. Like, yeah. What I yeah. understand. So it's just, yeah. it's just a general thing when I read this. I'm like... But once again, it won't matter. The shiny, this is, people can listen to this and go, I can't believe this. I'm never buying Alexa. And then they're going to get a thing in their email. They're like, oh my God, it's only 25 bucks for an Alexa. Let's do it. I'm going to buy one for family. And then you guys are all connected. And that's, and that's awesome yeah. if you're not worried about that. I, for me, I'm not, you know, it's like, it is what it is. But it's, it's, it's not going to, they have enough money for PR stuff and all this. Apple does like, oh my God, they're following me. And then once again, a day later, you're like, oh, look at my girlfriend on Facebook just got a new hairdo. Like it doesn't, you're just going to move on to the next. <laughs> it's going to piss you off for like a few minutes. And then a few people will stop buying Apple or stop going to Facebook, but it's a numbers game. At the end of the day, they're still going to listen. They're listening to us right now. I'm probably going to have some guys in a black vehicle come talk to me later on. Like, hey, you got to kind of keep it down. And we haven't got live. <laughs> 
I'm cool with that. Like, I have no problems. That's why I got the dogs, and that's why we got peanut butter. We're ready for that kind of war. But you know, you just, you gotta be. It's just a crazy deal. Man. It's a crazy world out there. Uh, can you change your wake word? I mean, God forbid, you wouldn't want your wake word to be the same word as your safe word, right? <laughs> well, that's true, and that I mean, you unless your wake, your safe word is um, Amazon or I think Echo. You only have like three wake words: it's Alexa, Amazon. Or I think you can say Echo, but you can't uh, you can't assign it a certain wake word. So, what happens if your girlfriend's name is Alexa? Yeah, exactly. You they oh, it's a horrible. It's got to imagine it's a horrible experience. Um, or if you're, I, I, there was actually a story about all the Alexas in the world who now hate their name because of this of this product. <laughs> just, just the beginning. All the Alexas will be gone. Yeah. Actually, they'll probably, Amazon will buy them. And then you can buy Alexas on Amazon with other Alexas. I don't know. Anyways, it's complicated. But <laughs> Well, Jeff, I think that's a natural place to end the Alexa conversation. Anything else you wanted to add? It, usually, this is where I'd put a jab in at you. I'm not. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to let you go I'm today. Waiting. I'm going really? to let you that's go today. It. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. You apparently got your uh, your medication through your Alexa drone, so that's uh, that's oh. good. Anyways, I knew I knew this was going to be a rodeo or a roller coaster. I'm glad it was. Um, Shane, thank you, man, so much. It was a lot of fun um, going all over the place. Um, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll bring you back season two or season three. Uh, you know, to have some more fun. Yeah, 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 I'm all in, guys. I'm excited too. And just so you know, I'll need to get a copy of it run up by my attorney because I'm pretty sure this shouldn't be a big deal. I'm sure our five listeners are going to care, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Shout out to my mom for being number six. <laughs> hey, she can meet our moms. They are I know. three, four, yeah. three, four, five, and six. Um, Shane, thank you very much for doing this. Appreciate it. You can find Shane at shanebarker.com. Shane is uh, digital marketing consultant again. Um, Shane, you do, uh, you work with clients on influencer marketing, obviously. I believe you also do SEO, um, just general overall digital marketing strategies and consulting, yes? Yeah, and we do heavy on the content sites. We write a lot of content because I write for about 120 different sites. So we have a, a good, good amount of content clients, of, you know, helping with PR online stuff. Awesome. And they can find you at uh, shanebarker.com. You are currently taking clients, yes? Absolutely. I mean, it's hard awesome. because all the other ones are so successful making so much money. So, But we can try to fit in. <laughs> $6.50 for every dollar invested. You heard it from him first. It's guaranteed. First page of <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Hurry. Hey, listen, Amazing. Jane, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. You guys take care. Have an awesome day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All right. See you.